If you are in a relationship where there is argument, where there is friction, where there is disagreement, and you're starting to have some doubts about whether or not you're with the right person, or maybe you know you're with the right person, but you're wondering if you're ever going to have the type of relationship you initially envisioned when you first met your partner or your soulmate, let me just tell you, I've had those thoughts before too. (laughs) And you are not alone. Welcome to A Changed Mind, a journey into the topics that matter to you most. From the neuroscience and spirituality of mindset and personal growth to groundbreaking strategies for health, wealth, and relationships, to open and honest conversations about pressing global issues such as the environment, censorship, corporate capture, and democracy. Each and every episode reminds us of the certainty of the goodness of the future and provides the teachings, tools, and timeless wisdom inspiring you to create real lasting change in your life and in the world. If you've been desiring a sanctuary for your spirit, a place to go to tune out the distraction, negativity, and doom and gloom so that you can tap into the deep power, the vibrancy, and the potential you have inside, you're in the right place. Welcome to A Changed Mind. Hey, it's David. Just a quick interruption to your normally scheduled podcast. I've got an incredible opportunity for you. Big announcement that my book is now live on Amazon, A Changed Mind, Go Beyond Self-Awareness, Rewire Your Brain, and Re-Engineer Your Reality. If you've been wanting to take your personal growth to the next level, maybe you've done the self-help thing, but you're still feeling more stress or overwhelm or anxiety in your life, Maybe you've gotten to the next level of financial security or growth in your relationships or health or your business, but you've hit a new ceiling and you're really wanting to understand how to identify the resistance that is still inside of you that's shaping your experience of life and to let it all go and transform it so that you can truly feel free emotionally, spiritually, financially, and achieve your full potential. You've got to check out this book. I spent the last 18 months pouring all of the teachings, philosophies, tools, even processes that I've never taught before that have helped me go from a life where I was literally struggling to survive to a life now that I love in a system that lets me materialize the vision I have for my business, my family, my world without the hustle and grind and putting my spiritual growth and well-being first. So if you've been wanting a treasure map to the emotional and material promised land that life has waiting for you, Take a minute to jump on over to Amazon, grab yourself a copy of A Changed Mind, or better yet, grab a couple of copies and give them as gifts to your loved ones. The feedback is already coming in. People are saying this is one of the most practical and powerful personal development books they've ever read, and I get it because everything that's in this book is exactly what I went through, what I learned, and what I used to change my mind. Check it, grab yourself a copy, and now... On to your regularly scheduled podcast episode. Hey, it's David. Welcome back to A Changed Mind, a sanctuary for your human spirit, a place where I will remind you each and every episode of the certainty of the goodness of the future. It is so good to be here with you today. Again, if this is your first time, my name is David Barham, your guide, your mentor, your friend. And if you have been here before, man, I'm so excited to get into this episode with you. We're going to be talking about relationships. And look, I don't have any other way to say this other than relationships require work. If you are in a relationship where there is argument, where there is friction, where there is disagreement, and you're starting to have some doubts about whether or not you're with the right person, or maybe you know you're with the right person, 
but you're wondering if you're ever going to have the type of relationship you initially envisioned when you first met your partner or your soulmate. Let me just tell you, I've had those thoughts before too. (laughs) And you are not alone. And so we're going to be breaking down in this episode what happens when we go from the honeymoon days or weeks or months or years when we first meet someone to then all of a sudden being in conflict. And I want to let you know that this conflict is normal. There is a reason why this happens. But if you don't have the playbook for understanding, I guess what I would call the energetics of relationships and how we attract a partner and what they're meant to reflect back to us, it can be very, very confusing. And I think the fact that you know we're not really taught this in our educational system and that we don't have a playbook is why the separation divorce rates are so high. And that's causing a major issue uh, in society in general because we've got a lot of single parents doing the best they can to raise children. Uh, but I'm a big believer that you know having two parents is very, very important. And it's the ideal situation, of course, uh, you want to have a child have a parent, uh, but two is important. And so we're going to be talking about how to maintain, preserve, grow our relationships and establish the type of intimacy and passion and connection that we dream of. If this is not your first time with me, but you haven't yet had a chance to leave me a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform and you love today's episode, please, wherever you're listening, whether it's Spotify or Apple or otherwise, leave me a review. Uh, and a rating. I check out all of them. If you're joining me on YouTube, do me a favor, subscribe to the channel, post a comment, let me know what resonates with you, what you disagree with, that's totally okay too, or what questions you have. But we're going to be diving deep into this conversation around relationships. And it's important to understand that everything is energy. If you've listened to any other episodes, Um, You know that I'm a big proponent of what Buddha and Gandhi and all of the great thinkers said, which is the mind is everything what you think you become. You're but a product of your thoughts, your beliefs, create your reality. You know, there's a little book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, the number one best-selling business book in the history of books, uh, unless you think perhaps Bible or whatever your favorite scripture is a business book. And the book really wasn't even about Uh, business. It was about how your thoughts create your reality and your belief systems are creating the relationship that you're in 100%. If you're not willing to take what I would call radical responsibility for the fact that you're creating your own reality, you are always going to be a victim of the external circumstances in your life, including your partner, their moods, their attitudes, their traumas, their limiting beliefs, their insecurities. And so the only way we can navigate powerfully through any area of our life, whether it's relationships or our health or wealth or business or spiritual development uh, or our purpose is to realize that we're powerful creators and we create through the mechanism of our thoughts and our emotions. And so you've attracted someone into your life who is a mirror of your own consciousness. And what I mean by that is they represent the best uh, and they represent the most limited of how you think. They represent the experiences that you had in your childhood. They represent your limiting beliefs. They represent your childhood traumas, your hurts, And we often hear that, you know, I married my mom or I married my dad. And well, that just makes sense, right? Because if most of what you believe, if not all of what you believe, these these programs were installed in you before the age of seven by your parents or the meanings that you gave your childhood as a result of the absence of a parent, 
right? If, if in fact, the meanings that you gave the experience of your life um, are informing the way you think now as an adult, then it just makes perfect sense that the person that you're attracting would be like your mom or dad. In other words, if your mom or your dad caused you to feel like you weren't good enough, uh, or they caused you to believe that if you uh, you want to do things right, you have to do it on your own, or if they caused you to believe, or the meanings you gave the experience of your childhood was that you can't trust people, then that's what you're going to attract in your life, first and foremost, with your intimate partner. So yeah, you've you've married your mom or your dad. And a lot of people ask me, when do I stay in a relationship? And that's a valid question before we get into how your partner is reflecting back to you, your own consciousness and what you can do as part of the healing process and how to work more effectively with your partner. One of my mentors said to me, look, there are three things that you have to have if you are going to be in a relationship that can work. And if you have these three things, any relationship can work. Uh, number one is a shared vision. And that means that it doesn't have to be, you know, completely identical, but there needs to be like a Venn diagram of overlap between where you and your partner want to go in your life, the type of lifestyle that you want to have, the type of relationships that you want to have with other people, the type of careers that you want to have, whether or not you want to have a family. Again, it doesn't have to be 100% match, but you have to have a shared vision. Number two is shared values. You have to value the same types of things, the same character traits, the same noble qualities. For example, if someone really values their alone time and they're with someone who puts no value on alone time, that can create friction in a relationship. If one person values honesty and another person doesn't value honesty, that's going to create friction in a relationship. And value friction is something that's very, very difficult to overcome. So you have to have shared values, shared values, shared vision. And number three is you have to be with someone who's willing to work on themselves and willing to communicate. Now, this comes in varying degrees. You know, in my own relationship, there are certain areas where Carol is much more willing to be open and communicate than I am in certain areas where I'm much more willing to be open and communicate different degrees. But again, if you look at the space where we're able to meet in the middle, um, there's a lot of common ground about our, our willingness. Sometimes we go kicking and screaming, but our willingness to you know do our own work and to take responsibility for how we're showing up in the relationship rather than externally blaming and blaming the other person. That doesn't mean we don't do it. And we certainly did it a lot more early on in our relationship than we do now, but that's because we came to understand that the reactions that we were having in the relationship were not caused by someone else, but as a result of something that needed to be worked through and ultimately healed inside of ourselves. And one of the books that made a really great impact on us was a book called Radical Forgiveness by an author named Colin Tipping. Colin Tipping has since passed, but he does a fantastic job of articulating within the relationship realm uh, what we assert in every aspect of your life, which is, hey, you're, you're creating these circumstances and situations. You're attracting the quote-unquote toxic relationships that when you're abandoned in a relationship, it's because there was some fear of abandonment that's inside of you. And he says, when you take responsibility for the fact that you're creating these relationship dynamics, then ultimately what you can do is you can find forgiveness for other people, no matter how badly you may have been hurt. And he believes that forgiving those who have hurt you is a very important process in sort of clearing out the energetics of those traumas and those limiting beliefs, which again, started at a very early age at a time we can barely remember so that you can actually clear out the space and make room for you know your, your, your ideal soulmate. And that just makes sense too, right? Because if 
you don't have a feeling, for example, of unworthiness that's already inside of you, then it doesn't matter who your partner is. They could never make you feel unworthy. But if you do have inside of you a, a belief that you don't have value or you're not worthy or you're not good enough, then energetically you're going to attract someone who's going to reflect that back to you. And so um, relationships are a yin and a yang. You're going to attract someone who's pretty much a perfect match for your level of consciousness. Before I got into my drug and alcohol and pornography recovery, before I realized I was an addict and got into a 12-step program and started doing the healing work for myself, I was attracting people who weren't the kind of people that today I would want to be in a relationship with. Well, I don't want to be in a relationship with anyone today other than my wife. But my point is, is that, you know, oftentimes when we're attracting people who aren't the types of people that we ultimately want to be with, that means that we need to elevate, you know, our personal development to the next level because you're, you're attracting someone who's cut from the same cloth that you are. And even as you start doing the work on yourself, you're committed to a personal development practice, a spiritual development practice. You're learning how to live according to noble values. You're starting to become more self-aware. You're developing emotional resiliency and emotional capacity, consciousness is a rich, layered, complex structure. And so even though you're doing the work, there are parts of you that are still limited, that are still wanting to be healed. And when you attract your soulmate, that person is going to reflect that back to you. And um, ultimately what happens is that those things that you have insecurity about, your partner is going to bring up out of you. And this is a really good thing because when you're in a conscious relationship and you recognize that when your partner triggers something inside of you, it's actually inside of you, it gives you the opportunity to heal it. Now, again, the challenge is that either we blame externally or we are in a relationship where we don't have this level of consciousness and so we end up in this uh, loop where there's frustration, uh, where there's argument, where there's misunderstanding, and we get to a point of exasperation where we feel like nothing's ever really going to change. And so in order to improve the dynamic of your relationship, the only thing you can do is take responsibility for your own reaction. A great example is Carol and I. Carol and I are very, very different. Carol's very organized. She's very structured in the way that she lives her life. I may be structured in the way that I present conversations or information, but you know, I wake up in the morning and uh, I'll go have my coffee before I make my bed. I'll come home after being out and I'll put my shoes by the front door rather than in the closet. And one of the classic interactions that I've shared with our community that Carol and I have is was friction around organization. And I used to be have this reaction like I deserve to be able to not be as organized uh, or to make my bed later or to leave my shoes near the front door because, you know, I work hard. I'm a good husband. I'm a good CEO. Um, I've sort of earned or I've become entitled to be able to do these things. And what I didn't realize was that that was just a program of entitlement that I observed with my dad. My dad worked 70, 80, 90 hours a week. He was commuting two, three hours from Orange County, California to Los Angeles. He was an attorney, very intense, high pressure work with three kids uh, and a big mortgage to pay and a much younger father than I was. 
And so when my dad came home, he he had a sense of entitlement. I remember there was this chair that was my dad's chair. And if anybody else was sitting in the chair, you know, it was very clear that you needed to move because dad was home. That was dad's chair. And so I adopted this idea of entitlement and it felt like an affront to me that I needed to adhere to Carol's, you know, organizational requirements. Carol, on the other hand, has used structure to be able to survive. You know, Carol had some experiences when she was younger where she suffered abuse and in reaction to that abuse, she took uh, extreme control of her own life. She came to a conclusion that she couldn't trust people and that she could do everything on her own. And by extension, she didn't trust men and she didn't need men. And so she became a highly efficient machine of execution and organization. It was no surprise that she ended up being an engineer at her university in the way that she is a structured thinker. She was one of the top of her class. She was the only woman who got accepted within that graduating class into engineering school. She became a senior director of global business development uh, for an infrastructure company and was very, very successful in her career, built her way up from uh, not even speaking English and working at 7-Eleven to then being a customer care rep for a big insurance company to then being the number two person in that insurance company. And so she was able to look back on her life and see that through structure and through organization, she was able to be successful. And so in the same token, she used structure and organization in order to make sure that the household ran efficiently. And we had this conflict because of our different programs where I felt entitled to do what I wanted to do. And she, in, in a sense, uh, felt threatened and also disrespected if I didn't adhere to organization. And so as much as we tried to convince each other that I was entitled to do these things and it wasn't that big of a deal and it wasn't being very disorganized by anyone's external you know, observation, uh, and her trying to convince me that this was the right way to do things and that I was actually being incredibly sloppy and disorganized. We just had friction after friction after friction after friction. And it actually wasn't until we read Colin Tipping's book that we both agreed, hey, let me take a look at my own reaction. And we were able to backtrack it to the belief systems that we developed when, uh, when we were children. And this was the same thing with one of my clients. One of my clients has been married for 20 years. His wife is super organized. She has a particular way of doing things. And he came to me because he said, listen, I feel suffocated. I feel trapped. I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety because of this structure that she's wanting me to adhere to. And um, when we dove a little bit deeper and I actually got on a conversation with both of them, she felt like he didn't help her, that he was too focused on business and that he wasn't particularly present for her. And so when I got into it with both of them, we realized that he felt trapped because he grew up in an environment where his parents argued a lot and there was nowhere for him to go. And he used academics and athletics and hobbies to be able to escape that emotional trauma. And she, her dad left her when she was eight years old, wasn't present. And so she took control of her own life and became controlling. And when she starts to control, he checks out. And when he checks out, she feels like she's being abandoned. And so these types of um, historical uh, belief systems or traumas are playing out in our interpersonal dynamics. And what ends up happening is we get caught in um, what could be referred to as a psychocybernetic loop, meaning your trigger triggers your partner's trigger and your partner's trigger triggers your trigger. And you just end up in this trigger loop where 
in an effort to get out of the loop, we want to convince our partner that whatever it is we're doing is right and whatever it is they're doing is wrong. We're trying to convince them of a different belief system, which is impossible for them to buy into because of how deep-rooted and ingrained and well-worn the belief system that they're coming from uh, is. And so rather, the opportunity, if you want to have a conscious and connected relationship and to be able to heal, is to heal, is to do your own work, to actually take a look at what is coming up for you and to do the personal work to heal whatever's coming up. We have plenty of other episodes that talk about how to transform your beliefs, how to become more self-aware, what to do when you've identified that you're living a pattern from the past, and how to make a new empowered decision and find evidence for the fact that this old limiting belief is actually untrue, and how to create breakthroughs around your psychology and your habitual emotional experience. But Ultimately, the solution is for you to do your own inner work because when you no longer have the trigger inside of you, now all of a sudden you change the interpersonal dynamic with your partner. In other words, in the example that I'm giving around the organizational conflict with Carol and I, and by the way, it could be a hundred different conflicts that we've run into over the course of our decade plus long relationship, that each one gives us an opportunity to reflect within ourselves and to heal so that we can be more present, more loving, more compassionate, more courageous, and more powerful. And that's why being in a relationship is such an extraordinary experience and why having friction in a relationship is normal. It's because it's one of the greatest catalysts for your own personal growth when you know how to play the game. But The conflict between Carol and I changed when we stopped responding the way that we had been habitually responding to each other. Now, I remember specifically when I came home one day and Carol had made a comment about me not putting away my shoes and they were by the front door. And rather than trying to convince her of my belief system that I was entitled to put my stuff wherever I wanted to in the house, I put my shoes away. I apologize to her. I acknowledge how much I appreciate that she keeps the house in structure and in order, all of which is true, and what an amazing job she was doing as, at that time, my girlfriend. There were times where Carol would react differently. I'd leave my shoes near the front door, and she would say, hey, uh, sweetheart, I just want to uh, acknowledge that the shoes are by the front door. I know you've been working really hard, but whenever you get a chance, if you don't mind, if you'd put them away in the closet, that would make me feel more comfortable. I know that that's my thing, and I just prefer to have a more organized, neat house. That's, That's not necessarily your priority, but if you would do that for me, I'd really appreciate it. And so as we changed, we started preventing the passing back and forth of the hot potato over and over and over and over and over again. And so, again, your partner is just bringing up whatever's inside of you to be healed. And that's one of the things that we teach fundamental to our methodology is that the suffering you're experiencing is not a result of an external circumstance or situation. In other words, my frustration and my anger was not a result of Carol telling me that my shoes shouldn't be by the front door. Right? My frustration and anger was a result of the meaning that I was giving that experience, that she shouldn't be saying those things to me because I had earned some sort of right. And so your partner is never causing the emotions or the thoughts or the reactions that you're experiencing. In fact, it's critical to understand that the thoughts, the emotions, and the reactions that you're having to your partner, those have been there for a long, long time. That's what has attracted you 
to this person because they're a perfect energetic match for whatever is inside of you that needs to be healed. Along with all the wonderful things that are completely in alignment and the reason why you fell in love with this person and why you want to continue to be with them and why investing in improving your relationship is important to you and why you're listening to this podcast episode. One other fundamental thing that is very, very important as we go through an evolution of our relationship as as a result of friction or conflict, we start to seek resources and answers on what we can do to improve our relationship. And here you've sought an answer and you're getting an answer, which is take radical responsibility for your own reaction. Uh, Have forgiveness for the other person because they have no choice but to be reacting this way. That's why you've energetically saddled up with them. And know that if you do the work yourself to take a look at what is your fear, what is your resentment, what is your belief system, and to uh, acknowledge that that was actually the cause, not the effect of this interaction with your partner, and to use whatever transformational tools you have access to in order to transform or let go of whatever that limiting belief or that old trauma is. As you're working through these dynamics in your relationship, it can be very easy to layer on another belief that complicates the situation even more. And that belief looks something like, maybe I married the wrong person, or maybe I'm with the wrong person, or I'm not with the right person. It's when doubt begins to insert itself into the relationship, because your brain is a goal-achieving machine. And if As a result of friction and spiritual growth that is a natural occurring phenomenon within a relationship, you misinterpret that as maybe I'm not with the right person, which is why at the beginning of this episode, I shared with you what I believe are the three requirements. Number one, shared vision. Number two, shared values. And number three, a willingness to work on yourself and to be and to be able to communicate. And by the way, that third piece may take time to come. If you've got shared vision and shared values, stick with the relationship, really set an intention that your partner and you are going to be doing the work and be more and more capable of healthy communication over time. 99% of the time that will occur. But what you can do is begin to adopt this limiting belief that you're not with the right person. And as I mentioned before, the challenge with that is the brain is a goal-achieving machine. So now you start to have more thoughts and ideas around this not being the right person. You start to notice the conflict and friction even more. You start to put even more emphasis on it. You start to have thoughts that this is hopeless. He or she is never going to change. This is never going to work out. You start to embody that emotionally, and then you start to show up as someone who doesn't believe the relationship can last within the dynamic of your relationship. So now at an unconscious level, you start to say things and do things that begin to sabotage the relationship. Your beliefs are very, very powerful in terms of directing your perception. There's a part of your brain called the reticular activating system, which is the part of your brain that starts to notice the car that you bought everywhere on the road. Well, if you unconsciously develop this subtle, sinister belief that this relationship is never going to work out, even though all you're experiencing are the natural frictions and interpersonal dynamics that a relationship is designed to be, then now you're going to start noticing only the bad things in the relationship and you're not going to notice any of the good things. And that can corrupt a relationship and bring a very good relationship to its termination. So you have to be very conscious of the meaning that you're giving this experience of the relationship and the challenges that you're having itself. The challenges are normal. As I mentioned before, the friction is normal. You know, Being in a relationship is is work. It's what a lot of people would describe as hard work. 
But if you have those shared values and vision and you believe that there's an opportunity and a possibility of even improved communication and working on oneself, every relationship can work out and become the dream relationship that you've, you've dreamed of. At one of my live events, a woman stood up and uh, she was actually with her husband and she said, I need some coaching on this because our relationship is not passionate, it's not intimate, I'm controlling, I'm demanding, I'm mean to him, I know I'm mean to him. As a result, he's showing up, uh, in, in. she described it as in his feminine, I've emasculated him, now there's like nothing left in our relationship, I don't find him attractive at all, we've got kids, you know, what do we do? Uh, and by the way, that dynamic is not an uncommon dynamic. Women being wounded when they were younger who use control as a mechanism to protect themselves, who then get into a relationship with a man, are controlling in the dynamic of the relationship. The man himself is doubting his masculinity, and so he starts to back off of his masculinity while the woman moves into the masculine role and the man moves into the feminine role, and then the entire thing becomes dysfunctional. So I was glad that she had brought it up because it was going to help a lot of people in the room. We had almost a thousand people at this live event. And so I asked her uh, a little bit to tell me a little bit more about the relationship. And she had explained that uh, when he had proposed to her, she was not expecting it. He caught her off guard. And so she believed that she said yes, even though he wasn't the right person for her. So the entire time that they had been married, she had a belief that she married the wrong man. And I had coached with them before and I saw how much he loved her and what a good man he was. And so I saw values. I didn't know about vision yet, but values go a long way. And I knew that they were already willing to work on themselves because they were at my live event. They had been in one of my coaching programs and they were clearly wanting to find a way to work on the relationship. She just believed that in a sense it was hopeless and was bringing it up. And one of the distinctions we teach is that there are only two states of being, powerful states and primal states. You're either in a state of emotion that feels good, which is a powerful state, or you're in a state of emotion that feels bad, which is a primal state. And it's a really beautiful binary distinction. You're always in one state of being or the other, and you're never in two states of being at the same time. And one of the things that we teach, as I had mentioned earlier, is that when you're in a primal state or a state of suffering, anger, frustration, worry, overwhelm, stress, it's caused by one thing and one thing only, which is what it is you're thinking or what it is you believe. It's not caused by the external environment. It's not a thing someone else said. It's the meaning you're giving that experience. It's not an unexpected bill showing up in the mail that's causing your overwhelm. It's the fact that you give that experience a meaning, which is I'm going to run out of money or I don't have enough. That's what's creating your primal uh, state of emotion, stress, anxiety, and overwhelm. And one of the other things that we found is that whenever you move into a primal state, the quality of that thinking, which is the only thing that's causing you this emotional reaction, is that it's not true. So as she was unpacking for me what she believed about her relationship, that she had married the wrong person, I asked her, I said, well, does that move you into a powerful state or a primal state? Does that feel good or cause you to feel bad? She said, it causes me to feel bad. And uh, so I asked her, so what does that mean? And she said, well, based on your teachings, it that it means that that's not true. I said, well, then what must be true? And she goes, that I married the right man? And I said, yeah, 
That's right. And now you can imagine how confused she was. She's like, Dave, I just stood up in front of a thousand people and told you, like, he rushed the proposal. I said, yes, it was unexpected. I, I know I married the wrong man. I didn't intend to marry him. But the third step in this process is, well, so what evidence do you have for the fact that it's true that you married the perfect man? And so I asked her that. And she rattled off one thing. She said, he's a really good dad to my kids. And I said, okay, what other evidence do you have for the fact that you married the perfect man? She said, he's pretty much willing to do anything to make me happy. I said, what other evidence do you have for the fact that you married the perfect man? And she said, she smiled. Well, I, I really love his sense of humor. I asked her one more time, what other evidence do you have for the fact that you married the perfect man? And she paused for a moment and she broke down in tears. She literally sobbed intensely for about 30 seconds. And in between the sobs, we were able to make out that what she said was, oh my God, I'm so sorry. For the last 15 years, I've been living according to this lie that I married the wrong man and I actually married the man of my dreams. And she apologized to her husband and it was the most beautiful moment. But that's how powerful beliefs are. They can completely disorient you from what's really true because whatever it is you believe, that's what you're going to pay attention to. And you're only going to find evidence to support your belief. And you're going to exclude all other evidence that supports anything other than the belief that you have. So as, as you're working to create an extraordinary relationship with the person that you're in a relationship with, or if you're not in a relationship right now, when you eventually do attract someone, it's important that you have a belief that this relationship can be extraordinary. Right. If you believe that this relationship can be extraordinary, if you believe that the friction and the conflict is normal, if you believe that the interrelational dynamics with you and your partner are designed in order for them to trigger the things in you that are wanting to be healed, and that this relationship is a spiritual relationship, it's designed for growth, and that it's not meant to be easy, but it's meant to be amazing, then you can, you can make any relationship work. Uh, to have radical forgiveness for the other person knowing that of course they're showing up this way because they have to do that in order to reflect back to you the consciousness that needs to be healed inside of you. Um, and so you either um, work on your relationship, uh, which is hard work, right? It really is. But if you work hard on your relationship, you can have an amazing relationship or you grow your separate ways. And when you do that, you're pretty much destined to repeat the same patterns of relationship because the relationship itself is designed to help you heal those parts of you that are an energetic match for your partner. So I hope that's been helpful for you, giving you some insights into the dynamics of what's going on in your relationship. It's not a magic pill strategy. This isn't all of a sudden you understand this and so now your partner is going to be more open and more amenable. But look, my, my impression for you is that... Um, you do the work yourself. If you're willing to do the work yourself and look at the triggers that come up in your relationship with your partner, and again, to use the tools that we teach or any tools you have access to, in order to do that transformative work, just watch how the miracles start to unfold in your relationship in terms of how your dynamic changes. Again, if you love this episode, do me a favor, subscribe to the channel, leave me a rating, leave me a comment, leave me a review. I love being here with you. I love being able to share with you what my experience has been in 
marrying the woman of my dreams and not having a perfect relationship, but using it as an opportunity to grow and now having an amazing relationship with someone who is my soulmate. And I wish the same thing for you. I'll see you in the next episode. Hey, it's David. One more thing. If you want to go even deeper on everything we've talked about on today's episode, don't forget to jump over to www.davidbear.com. You can find the link in the show notes and subscribe to our newsletter. A couple of times a week, I'm going to be sending you the latest episodes that we've released along with additional free trainings. You'll get immediate access to my free mind hack ebook and go even deeper into all the tools, the technologies, and the frameworks that have helped tens of thousands of people establish a changed mind. Don't forget to jump on over to the site, and I will see you in the next episode.